Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. What is this week's gratitude blooming theme? Well, it is the theme of destiny, represented by the Pask flower. And it's one of my favorites. And I feel like I probably say that like every other episode, but this one I love because I actually have the original. And yeah, super excited to have Arlene introduce the prompt, the art that she's currently thinking about what is inspiring her with this theme of destiny and the Pasch flower. And for us to share a bit about this theme of destiny through an old friend that you've had in your life, Omar, the conversation we had with Cameron Green just on what does that mean this time of year? Is we starting out with a new year, a new beginning? And she has some really beautiful advice from her life experience, just being on the intersection of different passions and choosing both, not one, but both. She's both a radio DJ by early morning and in philanthropy by day. And so she's definitely one of the more dynamic people and really saw the potential of the gratitude blooming circles very early. So before we dig into that conversation and the practice inspired by Cameron's way of just navigating life and and her destiny, Arlene, I'd love for you to Share as we're remixing the art, rethinking the theme. How is it relevant in this time for you to introduce the prompt and the story that you have? Sure. I had almost forgotten that you have the original piece of art. And I feel like the story that I'm going to share today is also kind of special because I'm going to reference a song. And in the song, it's a famous song. You're referenced, Belinda. <laughs> there is a Belinda in this song. So anyways, <laughs> well, here's the prompt. So this is card number 14. It's the Pasch flower, and the theme is destiny. And the prompt that goes with this is, notice what makes you come alive. What is something you feel called to do? And this week's story goes like this. I used to be obsessed by the story of Dido and Aeneas from the Aeneid, written by Virgil. I think it started with discovering a song from an opera by Henry Purcell, an English composer from the 1600s. It's about the famous story, and Dido's lament, also known as When I Am Laid in Earth, is one of the saddest pieces of music I've ever heard. And for some reason, Dido's fate, dying by fire and sword by her own hands, always bothered me. Here is this powerful queen of Carthage who kills herself when the man she loves leaves her. The whole story never felt acceptable to me. I found a haunting, modern version of the song, sung by Annie Lennox and London City Voices if you want to take a listen for yourself. Here are the words to the aria. Thy hand, Belinda, darkness shades me. On thy bosom, let me rest. More I would, but death invades me. Death is now a welcome guest. When I am laid 
and laid in earth, may my wrongs create no trouble, no trouble in thy breast. Remember me, remember me, but ah, forget my fate. Remember me, but ah, forget my fate. I think the reason this is all coming up for me around this week's theme of destiny is that I think the story of Dido and Aeneas, Aeneas is a powerful example of the subtle difference between fate and destiny. The thin line between accepting the fate you're handed and the work it takes to show up to own your own story. Dido and Aeneas, Aeneas both seem fated to live out the tragedy, but in between the lines of their story is a question. Who is writing their story? I always thought our destiny card in the Gratitude Blooming card deck was a bit scary, yet also weirdly mesmerizing. And I feel like destiny is about the story we make of our own lives, which can be both scary and beautiful. Whenever this card appears, it feels like a good reminder to pause and revisit the question, what destiny are we currently writing for our own lives? I love that this prompt is about aliveness because there's something about destiny that feels a little daunting. Am I doing the right thing? Am I going down the right path? And I don't know, something about the way you talk about it, Arlene, it's like, okay, well, what if I just relax into this, into this like calling or this following of like breadcrumbs? That's kind of the way that I've started to imagine navigating my life. And this whole season of the podcast is all about wayfinding. And how do we do that? And the Pask flower has always reminded me of this very elderly spider. The metaphor that I've been thinking about recently is, well, what if I saw myself as a spider and and my the, my life is just about this web that I'm weaving and there's no mistakes. It's just learning from one point to another. What is that path and what do I learn along the way? And sometimes the learning is a little bit more joyful and other times it's a little bit more painful. And at the end of the day, I can look back and see this web. And so, yeah, that's been kind of a nice way to see it. And yeah, there is sacrifice involved. Your story transported me back to fourth grade. I had just moved to Los Angeles, having lived in the Pacific Northwest in pretty rural communities. And so much so that I remember on the first day of school, walking to my new elementary school with my mom and getting there and asking her, Mom, how am I supposed to get in? She said, what do you mean? I was like, there's a fence all the way around the school. I'd never been to a school with a fence around it. And it was a big transition in so many ways. I remember like a few weeks in to the school year, the teacher pulling me aside and be like, hey, Omar, why aren't you doing your homework? And I was like, what's homework? You know, I had never done homework before because it was always about cooperative learning. And I was always in multi-grade school environments and one-room schoolhouses. So there was no sort of rote learning that homework sometimes reinforces. And 
And so this teacher, Miss Balaban, I remember she was just so phenomenal in the transition from kind of rural to big city living. And she gave me this journal. And at the beginning of it, she wrote this inscription. She's like, you enjoy a good story so much, Omar. I hope you write your own. And so it just, for a fourth grader that's like trying to sort of understand a big cultural shift, like to listen and appreciate story. And I feel like even now, how relevant that is. You think like the Game of Thrones epic series and not spoiler alert here, but like ends with this idea of the power of story and what your sort of the story you're reciting. I don't know how old that is, but like it's just phenomenal how these stories are enduring. And so I don't know, there's something about destiny and endurance. Like what does it mean to persevere through our story? Because that's the thing about a story is like a story is not very interesting if everything just works out. Right? Like part of what makes a story interesting is that there's a challenge and then how is that challenge overcome? And so maybe part of that destiny is like, how are we sort of looking at the different challenges in our lives and how those are adding to our story? I find it interesting how all these things are weaving together because I do think there is something that looks spidery about this flower and there is something about weaving that is timeless, right? That's what you were saying, Omar, about going lasting through time. It's like, what are we weaving? What are the stories? And I do think the stories that we're weaving make, they're lasting. As we go into this conversation with Cameron, I have to admit that initially I had chosen the theme of humility for the conversation. And when I read back the transcript of that conversation, it was so much about destiny. And so we had to go with the calling <laughs> and focus and frame her story around destiny. And I'm going to start with a clip from about a third into the conversation. And Omar, you're so good at asking these really beautiful kind of direct questions about our guest's journey. And and uh, and for her, just how do you hold the philanthropy piece of your work and also the artistry around being a DJ, having these two very different worlds that you're emerging together? So we're going to start with Omar, you, sh- you kind of asking this question and then how she responds to how she looks at her life and how she weaves these two passions. And most people, I feel like, are, they have intentions, they have personal passions, hobbies, and then they're like, okay, but this is the responsible kind of career thing that I need to do. And I feel like you're embodying the Yogi Berra, which is like when you see a fork in the road, pick it up. Right, you just pick the fork up. You're like, I'm not going down one path or another. I'm just gonna pick the fork up and and so how has that been just to manage expectations for other people, like sort of feel like you're growing in both spaces that like one isn't kind of like limiting the other, like I I think there is a cliche statement 
that folks say when you're doing something you love, it doesn't feel like a job. And although that's like a statement everybody says, I do firmly believe that. I feel like I really do love my jobs. I love both of them. And I say it all the time. I love my jobs. I love the opportunity to be in philanthropy and be in the sector, to be able to help guide folks to be more intentional with their giving, to be more, to inform them more about how to center equity and justice in their grant making. That's a joy. And to be able to create spaces to help transform leaders to think more intentionally about who they are, right, as what is their personal leadership journey? How do they hone in on transformational change and what does that mean to them right how do we begin to make that part of the work and not just a checkbox but actually living and breathing transformational leadership so that everyone in the team benefits from seeing their leader not afraid to ground in right not afraid to meditate on their lunch or whenever any time during the day not afraid to journal and make that part of staff meetings, journaling and sharing. That is so much fun for me, Omar and Belinda. I just have the best time and I appreciate the organization that I work for in giving me the space and the runway to be able to create to be able to dream and to be able to ideate. That's not typical of every, I think, organization, but this organization has really believed in me, believed in a vision that I had to bring this work to life. And I have some incredible colleagues. You have a name um, for that vision. What, what, I do. Evolve. Evolve is, is, so Evolve is a house and in the house there are rooms and those rooms make up the different kind of offerings that are centered around transformational leadership, mindfulness work, professional learning, which is the term where you, we're moving towards instead of development. Learning is more cohesive, like round. But I, I have some incredible colleagues who I can't do this alone, who have helped be incredible thought partners. I'm so blessed to be able to work with them and their intelligence to be able to help also help bring these things to light and move them forward. And then being in the industry, in the entertainment industry and working in that vein, started in sports, believe it or not. I started as a sports broadcaster. And doing news. Yeah. Sports is like my background. I was a recruiter for my college football team (laughs) and started doing that. And that grew me up a lot because in that industry at the time, there weren't a lot of women who were broadcasting and broadcast journalists. And I just remember instances where I would be in press conferences and get heckled by some of the male reporters. And that that transformed me as well. And that really grew me. And I said, you know what, this is, it almost gave me, it piqued my interest. Like when you say you can't do something <laughs> or someone tells you, I'm going to show you, it really made me feel like, you know what, this is an industry that's male dominated, but I'm good and I can do my job really well. Right. And so I'm going to challenge myself to see how far I can push. And then that transformed really into music producing. I produce my own show, which means I am completely 100 percent the approver of the content and developer. And so, yeah, those are two different ends of the spectrum. But believe it or not, the skill, the care, the concern, the power that music has to unite us, the power that music has to I mean, just think about, like, I've met so many people who I didn't even know, and we talk about music. There's so many commonalities there, whether it be an artist or genre. Similar for philanthropy. We have a lot of commonalities. Humanity, philanthropy is the love of humanity. And I know philanthropy doesn't often get the best rap, right? It's unfortunate that some people who have money don't often do the right things with them, but there are many people who do 
the right things with the money. There are many people who are in the fight and are change, are trying to change the way that they give, are trying to understand more about what that would look like. And so just the uniting force there is just the peep is people, is people, is connection, is love, is passion. Those are the two things that kind of draw me draw those two fields together for me where they don't even seem like I've been doing it so long now, you guys, that it's just part of my week. <laughs> I like that term grew me up. I think that it's how we, how we look at it at the moment. It may have been difficult, but it grew her up and, and she's just like, okay, this is a growing moment. This is a learning moment. And even just, and she's already translated that into her professional environment. So not only is that how she's looking at her own life, but she's like, well, no, we're not doing professional development. This is professional learning, right? This is about how we grow in more authentic ways. And I just felt so alive listening to her talk. Like, you know, sometimes when you hear someone saying something, but the energy of it is so different than what they're actually saying. In this case, she loves what she's doing and she and it's about the people. And I and I love how much she laughed when she talked about her early sports casting days and breaking the the conceptions of like who that kind of person is, what do they look like, gender, race. And for her, it's this love of music and love for people. And it's not two things. It's one thing. And it's just being able to tell the story or see the frame of that story in a different way. And I feel like that's the core of this, this work that we're doing is how do we break the barriers around duality and this is such a beautiful question and answer you know in some ways you said the interview topic was you know in some ways the interview topic we selected was humility and this conversation is leaning into destiny but maybe these things go hand in hand you talk about this work and i just started reading this new book around the magic of water and this person, he's a photographer, and he says a word and then crystallizes the water. And the words he uses shapes the design of the crystals. And he said the two most powerful words are love and gratitude. And he's tried just love, he's tried just gratitude, but it's the combination of those words that creates this very unique water crystal and he says part of it is like love is what we give and gratitude is what we receive, right? And I feel like humility is what we give and destiny is what we receive, right? And it's like how do we break these binaries and really sort of look at the interrelational sort of aspects that are so necessary for us to be both hand? And I hope that as you're listening to these stories that it inspires you to see your life in new ways you know, like you don't have to choose one over another. And maybe there is a way to alchemize things and bring all of our unique gifts together as we make choices around our lives and our work. And one of the most things about the conversation for this time of year with Cameron was just how she navigates the ending of a year 
and looking at the beginning of a new one. And so we're going to share a bit about her practice. How does she do that? There we go. So I typically use this time of year to really reflect on what it is I've accomplished this year. I've used this time to reflect on what I can change, what needs to be changed, and how I can set intentions for the new year. And it's not to be cliche, like, do you have a New Year's resolution? <laughs> like, so many people do that. So it's not to be cliche. It's sort of to create an ongoing practice, which then will turn into a habit for me. And the ways that I can utilize that practice, which transpires into a habit, for others to see that and hopefully adapt that for my nieces, for my siblings to be able to see that, for my parents even to be able to see that practice and, and want to adapt sort of speaking things and setting intentions for the new year and for the moment. You brought up the word change, Omar, and I think that is a powerful word for me right now. I recently had an assessment, a professional assessment done, and what was revealed in that assessment really almost knocked me off my feet. It helped me understand that I am not really the same person I was two years ago, three years ago. And when I say two and three years ago, I think we all know what I'm speaking of, right? The pandemic, quarantine time, which we're still in respectfully, but we have moved into this space of now understanding more, right? So we can navigate the world a little differently than we did a couple years ago when we had no knowledge of what this thing was. And I bring that up because I remember the change piece is really important because I quarantined by myself. Before I knew, we knew what we knew about vaccines or what have you, I quarantined by myself out of safety, out of care, out of concern for my parents and those I loved. And it definitely changed me in a good way. It made me more socially selective on this other side. It changed me in the ways in which I started to view self-care. I began walking one day and I never stopped. And it became a habit. And it became me time. And, of course, physically I benefited from that. But it was beyond that. It was more about what I call my happy place, which is any place near the water. (laughs) I'm a water baby. So any place near the water is my happy place. But I found myself logging off after work and driving to the beach. And that was like four times a week five times a week sometimes, or even just sporadically, because I felt more like a calling. Like this change that was happening inside of me now became like a calling. I needed to satisfy it. I need to fulfill it. And so I shifted and changed in the ways of elevating self-care for myself, reprioritizing my values of how important my family and friends were to me, and then also reprioritizing and evaluating What doesn't serve me anymore? And I say that with a respectful lens of letting go old habits, old family members, old friends that no longer served me in a way that was fruitful, conducive, helpful, positive. So it was almost like shedding a layer, if you will, in the process that I feel like I went through. And I feel like I went through that professionally, too. I began to really sort of reprioritize how I thought about the work, right? I always say we should find the joy in everything we do. Shout out to you, Omar. (laughs) You taught me that. I say that all the time to my colleagues. You know, 
Can't promise you it won't be hard. Can't promise you there won't be days where you want to pull your hair out. But we should also always find the joy. And the minute we don't find the joy in the end goal and the objective and the end game, we need to talk because we need to find out what it is we need to do differently to achieve that. I remember seeing Cameron after a year of not seeing her because, you know, the year before we had done a lot of work together with the Southern California grant makers hosting these regular gratitude circles for their grantees. And I, I remember the reason why we talked about change was like Cameron looked after a year of not seeing her and and then for her to just take that time to really unpack what that change was. And I think sometimes even in, in the prompt, we think about calling as vocation, passion, something that's outputting. And when she actually said the word calling several times in reference to walking, in reference to being called by the ocean and nature and hearing it this time around, I was really struck by that, that sometimes the calling is about what we need for ourselves, what we need to nourish and take care within ourselves. Yeah, it reminds me of the conversation we had with Effie Sanders, who also just felt a calling to the ocean and, you know, reading this book, The Miracle of Water, and 70 plus percent of the planet is made of water. We are made of about 70 plus percent of water. And, and water really moves with a vibration. And this is, you know, I'm just at the beginning stage of this book, but I guess I love that words are vibrations. And this person, this author, his hypothesis is that our language came from listening to nature. And so there was, he's from Japan and he described this region in northern Japan that's a little bit more rural and they have 160 different words for the word water. And so I'm sure there's like the trickling and the thundering and when we're saying all of this while we're having historic rains here in California and I just, I turn my head and I look into my courtyard that's like flooded and just water moves. And when it doesn't, like it floods. And so like, how do we like really create that movement in our lives? And there's a point in the conversation as we're kind of diving deep into the change that she's made, like socially selective, making choices, prioritizing, where I was just really curious, what do you have to sacrifice to live this way, right? Like she is someone that is like, I am not going to choose one passion. I'm going to go with both. I'm going to take care of myself and I'm going to put that flag down. And so, so what has to give? And I just felt like it was really important for you all to hear the reality of that, because it is a sacrifice. There was a time where seven working seven days a week, which is what I work, was like, can I really do this? What does this mean for me? Is this going to take a toll on my body? And I felt like I felt a lot of that energy. I felt like that was in my thoughts that was coming up a lot. And I had to finally say, you know what, if I'm really going to do this, if I just focus on the joy and I begin to see this as part of my routine, then I can do it. It is sacrifice. I had to sacrifice a lot and I still am. I can't always be at every birthday party. I had to, I'm, I'm not married. 
it'll happen one day. <laughs> but I chose my career over a life of family. And I'm not the only person, I will tell you, that feels that way. Any, Pretty much any person who is really in the industry, you do have to make those hard choices if you want to grow your career. You have to be flexible and available, and sometimes that means that maybe it's not the time. I'm not saying it will never happen because I do believe it will happen for me, but this is just not the time right now. And that was that's a hard, that's hard. And everyone doesn't understand that. And some people think I'm crazy, and that's okay. <laughs> I am I am comfortable with being uncomfortable. I am comfortable with everyone not liking my schedule, agreeing with my schedule. I am 100% okay. And another change that I had to make, going back to that question, was boundary setting, which fits into what you're asking. I had to get very clear about being okay, and I'm still trying to work on that. I was very much a yes person. And I was like, man, this is not going to work with a seven-day-a-week schedule. I can't be a yes person. I can't because I won't be able to be present when I show up. <laughs> I'll physically be there, but my head will be on my grocery list. What I got to get later from the store? So I had to literally begin to start to look at boundary setting and giving myself permission to say it's okay to bow out of things or to reschedule. It doesn't have to be no. It can be no and maybe we can go to lunch in three weeks. Would love to celebrate you. Haven't forgotten you. Think you are so special and want to celebrate you. Just can't make today. Right? And having hard conversations with family and friends to be able to let them know that this is what I love. And if you want the best for your loved ones, you're going to support them. Even if the schedule looks crazy. Even if the schedule you don't understand. It's not for you to understand. (laughs) Right. It's for me to understand and for me to give myself permission with being okay with that. So I had to make changes there. Fusing those two things together, those two paths together, it naturally happens for me in my mind. But you're right. Being an edge walker, you do have to understand there are going to be some things that you have to sacrifice and give up. If we think historically about some of our trusted figures, folks we honor and folks we really look up to, many of them sacrificed things. And sacrifices are not going to look the same for everyone. And that aligns and goes into your values, like what you said. Some people value family. 100% awesome. And maybe giving up a career to be with your family is so that you can grow your family. Maybe that's a choice. And I think it's a beautiful choice. Maybe it's walking away from a career because you want to do X, Y, Z. That's a beautiful choice. It doesn't have to make sense to everyone else. It just needs to make sense to you. Doesn't have to make sense to anyone else. It just needs to make sense for you. Just as she talked about sacrifice, and I wanted to look up the etymology of it, and it comes originally from Latin and from saucer, which means holy. And holy really is about being whole. And and so what I really love is that she's embracing her wholeness, right? Like how, what makes her complete and what makes her complete, like how do we really make room for that, right? Like that's just to me, just so important is like, how do we make room for us to be our full selves? And then communicating that, 
right? Like it's not, she didn't just sort of run off. She's like, no, she's having some hard conversations and making some deliberate choices. But by doing so, she's allowing herself to be whole and holy. I'm just feeling the strength that's required to do that kind of boundary setting, especially with loved ones. She definitely doesn't have an Asian family. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can really resonate with that because I I think that was probably a challenge in in my 30s was I can't live for my parents and what they expect of me. I have to do what is needed what my spirit was like hello we don't have all the time in the world you got to pursue these things that you believe you're here for and and there's conflict in that you know much conflict i mean there's i think about my family and i live four blocks from my mom my mother-in-law lives seven blocks from us and my cousin who's almost like a sister to me she moved to from Sacramento, ultimately down here to L.A., and her parents live literally across the sort of not even street. It's like a sidewalk. They share. They're so close. Their buildings are so close. They share the same Wi-Fi, and so <laughs> it just my like we just went to Hawaii, and eleven of us went right. Like, and so it just it is a fascinating thing to sort of be like, what makes us whole. Right? And I think that's the sort of thing is that that's only a, a question you can answer. There's not one wholeness, right? There's not, oh, this is the right way or that's the right way. It's like, no, what is whole for you? And sometimes that means I'm thinking back to last week's episode with Simon and that conversation. And sometimes it means caring more for others and really leaning into that family first idea because that's what you value at the core or it means disappointing your family and your loved ones because you have to pursue that calling that's separate from that and yeah it is such a beautiful question or you have to choose you because you're not taking care of yourself Um, So I love that Cameron's story unpacks a lot of those things. And the word edgewalker, I feel like that has emerged from this podcast exploration. And when you're walking on the edge, it's unstable. It is scary. And you have no idea what's going to happen. But kind of on the cusp of two things or more, and you are choosing to walk that line of of uncertainty, of unknown. Well, I think that's what she said is like, look, I get that this is going to be uncomfortable, but I am going to look at this through the lens of joy, right? Maybe there is something scary, but I'm going to look through the lens of joy, right? Maybe I don't know what's going to happen next, but I'm going to look at this through the lens of joy. And so I feel like it's really then about like, what is anchoring to you? What is that eternal value that allows you to sort of thread the sort of things that are just happen in life. What would you say that is for each of you, Arlene and Omar? You know, what is your compass? What is that feeling that is your guide? I'm curious. 
I love a lot of this conversation. It's like, I, I don't know if most people know that it's like, I hear this for the first time when we record. And so, yeah, a lot of good questions. I think for me, I am really inspired by music. So I was, uh, I'm really fascinated by Cameron's story. And I, and I thought about this question a lot, like, what is it about music? And in a lot of ways, it's like when I play the piano, when I play like everything just disappears. It's like I, everything clears out for me. And so, and I think that there is something about, it's not joyful, like I'm like jumping up and down with joy, but there is something really joyful about that becoming completely clear again. I mean, just a clearing out. Maybe it's a little bit of the water metaphors that you're using, Omar. But to me, there's joy in that those moments. Yeah, I think two things come up for me. And one is I love Walt Whitman's frame, I am large, I contain multitudes. And that just is one very grounding kind of sense is that I contain multitudes. And before he said, do I contradict myself? Very well, then I contradict myself, right? It, like, it is okay to not be consistent in some sense, right? To be sort of contradictory. Um, and then I think there's the African proverb, like that's if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think sometimes I'm that is where I am always balancing, right? Like when do I want to go fast? When do I want to go far? And maybe it's okay for me to contradict myself. And sometimes I want to go fast and sometimes I want to go far and just be intentional about which one I'm trying to hold right now. So this is going to be the frame for our practice this week is just what is the anchor, the feeling or the practice that is going to sustain you this year, this new beginning and just really sit with that question. And I'm going to actually play a clip of Cameron talking about her anchor, the ocean, and her connection to nature. And maybe that helps you imagine what that frame is for your anchor. The ocean is amazing because I feel like the ocean is something that is constant, fixed. It's a natural wonder. But if you put two people in front of it and ask them to interpret it, they'll give you two different answers. The ocean is mysterious. The ocean is intimidating. The ocean is powerful. The ocean is constant and sure. When the tide comes in, it goes to a certain line and then it it, it recedes back. It's every day, right? It has a process, a fixed schedule. I'm describing myself. Right. In alignment with the ocean, because the ocean has become something that has really spoken to me on the days that I've walked quietly alone, when I've journaled in front of the the waves, when I've done with my workout and I've sat just to gaze. I love sunsets. I love sunsets. I have. If Omar and I are Instagram friends, so he's seen some of my sunsets. And when I go different places, I make sure I try to capture or witness a sunset. Sunsets are important to me because it symbolizes the end of something, 
right? But knowing that tomorrow there will be a sunrise, which will be a beginning of something new. But the ocean changed my life. The ocean changed my life. As I listened to Cameron share about the ocean and how the ocean changed her life, I feel that my anchor is this metaphor of a well. So I've been thinking about this idea of sustainability and I've shared it with a couple friends and they're like, do you mean like you're going to be more eco-friendly? And I think the well metaphor is kind of like, how do I be more self-friendly? Where if I can imagine the water in the well being the vitality that I have at any given moment, and that's changes up and down. How can I be really conscious of how I use that water, that vitality that I have as someone who is so used to giving my water out, you know, having that metaphor to check, well, what is my gauge? What is my vitality right now? And then how do I choose how to use my time, my energy, my resources to sustain the things that I care about, including myself and my own well-being. So I'm really grateful for this opportunity to kind of unpack that that intention for this year into a metaphor inspired by Cameron's connection to the water. Well, thank you so much for being on this journey with us. I think part of this podcast is really about how we can walk together, right? And some of us might walk faster, some of us might walk slower, some of us might need some rest, some of us might want to run, some of us might to wheel along. However, we each need to move, but it is about building this movement. And so we really want to just encourage you to reach out to us. Our email is below. For 2023, we're really trying to reimagine what the Gratitude Blooming community looks like. So we want to hear from you. Maybe we'll even whip up a poll or something at some point. Just, But even just dropping us a line and letting us know how we can support you. How can we all find joy together? And some of us can go far and some of us can go fast, but how do we sort of do that with some sort of collective acceleration? Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.